You're listening to the Health Chick Podcast, your place for tips, resources, and other musings designed to help you live a more vibrant and healthier life. Welcome to Episode 5 of the Health Chick Podcast. I'm your host, Wendemir Riley, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist. In light of the recent federal furlough, I'm going to spend this entire episode talking about food insecurity, creative meal planning on a budget, and cheap, easy, and surprisingly healthy tips to feed your family when money is tight. All right, so I'll admit this is going to be a pretty tall order to fill, so I am not going to attempt to tackle this on my own. Luckily, I have a strong network of really smart friends and experts, and I am thrilled to have one of them as my guest on today's show. She's a fellow dietitian, holds a master's degree in food science and nutrition, and is an expert in food security. She currently resides in Fort Collins, Colorado. Please welcome my guest, Colleen Woods. Hello, Colleen, and welcome to the show. Hi, Wendemere. Thank you for having me today. So it's cold up there, huh? It is a little bit cold here. We got some snow here in Colorado. Yeah, it was 48 degrees here in Florida, and, you know, we turn the heat on for that. <laughs> I have no sympathy. <laughs> All right. Um, Colleen, before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about your background, how you became a food security expert, expert, and tell us more about what food security is and what it means to be an expert in food security. Absolutely. As you mentioned, I am a second career registered dietitian, but I had a long, indirect way of getting there. I previously worked in corporate marketing and communications, but I had a strong desire to help people. I volunteered for a local food bank a few times and was intrigued by not just the number of people who were coming to get help, but also by the diversity of the people that needed food assistance from pantries. And I'll talk a little bit about that later. But in 2015, while I was living with my husband in British Columbia and working for a charity, there was an opening on the Squamish Food Bank Board of Directors. They were looking for someone who had experience in marketing and communications, as well as nonprofits. So I applied and was offered the opportunity to see how food bank finance, finance their operations, made decisions, and physically got everything done. I turned down an offer to chair the board after a few short months because I was accepted to graduate school in Colorado. While getting my master's at Colorado State University, I focused my research on food insecurity on college campuses. And so now I'm returning to what I mentioned before in regards to the diversity that I saw at the food bank. When I was working um, in Canada on the food bank board of directors, I found out that 25% of their food bank clientele were college students. And I wanted to explore this phenomenon further while I was at CSU. After graduating, I had all this great research that I had done and nothing to do with it. So I decided to develop a website that would act as a one-stop shop for people to find food resources. The website is called FOCO Food Assistance. FOCO, if you're wondering, is the nickname for my town of Fort Collins. FOCO Food Assistance helps people apply for SNAP and WIC benefits, navigate food pantries, learn about community food programs, and find out where there are events offering free food. I still manage the site, but now I have two students volunteering to write blogs on free food events and nutrition tips each month, so I can focus on nutrition counseling in my private practice. 
So you asked what a food security expert is and how to define food insecurity. A food insecurity expert has worked in the field from multiple perspectives. Ground level, interacting with people suffering from food insecurity, behind the scenes, finding solutions, and from a bird's eye view, analyzing data uh, from other experts and organizations. I've done all of these and I've been food insecure myself. I know the experience of using food stamps and standing in line at food pantries. I can speak from a multitude of experiences from food insecurity. Okay, so what is food insecurity? The USDA has long confusing definitions for various levels of food insecurity, but at its most basic, food insecurity is the uncertainty of being able to afford or access three meals per day that are nutritiously adequate. So some individuals can scrape together five or six dollars a day to eat fast food for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but these meals probably aren't meeting the recommended daily allowance of macronutrients, vitamins, and minerals. But it also means that maybe someone does get their nutrition each day, but finances are so tight they have anxiety about being able to afford nutritious uh, food each day. This is also food insecurity. There doesn't necessarily have to be a deficit of calories to be considered food insecure. Finally, some people live in what we call a food desert. This means they may have adequate income to afford food, but the area they live in doesn't offer a variety of foods to meet their needs. For instance, some people only have a convenience store to grocery shop in. Most convenience stores don't carry foods that are low in sodium and sugar or whole foods like a variety of fresh fruits and vegetables. Living without access to a variety of adequately nutritious foods also places someone in the food insecure category. So I hope that kind of summarizes and gives you a good idea of what food insecurity is. And maybe your listeners might even be able to categorize themselves as being food insecure, whether it's for a short time or um, for a longer period of time, such as a year or two. Yeah, that was that was excellent. Thank you for that. And um, you probably don't know this about me, but I am also a second career um, politician and my former job was marketing at Precision. Oh, how about that? We have something in common. All right. So right now we've got over 800,000 federal workers that went without a paycheck last week. And I looked up some of the stats and it turns out that 75 to 80% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. And that's kind of regardless of income. Some people that are making $100,000 a year are still living paycheck to paycheck. And 69% of Americans have less than $1,000 in their savings account. So I am guilty. My husband has been on me. We need to have X amount of money in the bank. And I'm like, yeah, but let's just do this. Or we want to fix up the house or let's go on this vacation or I want to go buy groceries. I couldn't imagine, you know, next week finding out, hey, there's not going to be that direct deposit in your checking account. So not only not having any money to pay bills, but now having to worry what you are going to make your family for dinner. So for, for our friends in the federal government that didn't, didn't get paid, what do we tell them to do? Okay, I can offer three quick tips tonight that you can use immediately. Excellent. Use food pantries, buy cheaper food, and get the best deals at the store. 
Um, the first one I mentioned, use local food pantries. I know these can be intimidating if you're new to using them. And if you've used them before, they can also be very annoying. But it's time to remove the stigma of using food pantries, and I can help you with this by telling you what to expect. Um, bring your ID, bring grocery bags if you have them, and bring patients. When you get there, there. <laughs> yes, uh, because you, especially right now with with the government shutdown, um, you may have seen on the news the food banks across the nation are opening their doors to the government workers so that they can feed their families. So you can expect long lines. There, there normally are long lines to begin with, but now there there are a wealth of people coming. Um, out of the woodwork to use these food pantries for the first time. And so it, it may take a while. They are pretty um, systematic and, and efficient, but yes, you, you will probably need to bring a little bit of patience with you. And I did do some um, research on that. And if you're in the D.C. area, the Capital City Food Bank is open tomorrow and they have some big events and they have many locations. And I posted that on both my on both my Twitter and my Instagram feeds. That is awesome. I would suggest um, when you get there, if you're a little bit nervous, not quite sure what to do, um, there's usually a table to check in with your ID. Um, they may ask for a few pieces of personal information, like your name, your address, if you've been there before, and possibly an estimate of monthly income. However, being that so many food banks have opened the doors, you mentioned the furlough workers this week, it's doubtful that they'll collect this information. And if they do, they don't require proof, just a verbal estimate. Um, this information the, is only... What's that? Uh, Capital City said just make sure you bring your federal ID. Perfect. Yeah. So they're probably not looking for much more information than that. And then um, I know some people are hesitant to even provide their ID, but you can rest assured knowing that the food banks, is a, they're nonprofits and they're not trying to use their information in any way other than just to know how much food that they should be getting next time. And then if there are new neighborhoods that are in need of food pantries. So your information isn't shared with your employer, the government, or anybody else. So that's not, that should not be. Colleen, let me ask you. Let's say that, that mm -hmm. you're food insecure and you're, you're not a federal worker. And this is just that, you know, for other, other listeners that may, you know, have a similar problem. When you bring your pay stub, what are they looking for? Are they looking for you're not making any money? Is it sliding scale? Can anyone get food? How does that work? Yeah, so typically, number one, they they usually don't ask for any proof, so they won't ask you to bring your pay stub. Okay. Um, in my experience, in going to the food pantries, they've asked verbally, what is your monthly income? Yeah. And starting a business, my monthly income was zero. You know, other everybody has a different answer. And it doesn't matter. You could say $100,000. They're not going to turn you away. Um, they're just trying to get an idea of what type of demographics are coming here. And and I, I'm sure that they're also looking to make sure people aren't abusing the system, but they never turn people away. So don't be afraid to answer that. Great. Question. Thanks. You're welcome. Um, I'll just note also that once you're there, after you've checked in, you'll get um, in line or you'll receive a number. And when it's your turn, 
unlike the old days of when you just go up to a window and you get a box full of food, nowadays it's more of a shopping model. So you'll be able to choose the food items you want from the shelves or tables and move at your own pace. There may be an item limit. For instance, at my pantry, fruits and vegetables are unlimited, but you may only be able to take one milk, maybe two boxes of cookies, and three boxes of mac and cheese. Just That's just an example. Um, you'll be told what the limits are. And if you do want more, just ask. Um, more than likely, they're willing to give you more food. And don't expect to get your complete shop grocery shopping done here, but the foods offered at the pantries today do go a long way, and they usually cover all of the food groups. When you're done, you can likely just head to your car. Most pantries don't have any type of checkout process. Um, the second best tip I can offer today is to build a healthy plate with cheaper foods. A healthy plate would be half full of fruits and or vegetables, a quarter full of whole grains, and a quarter full of protein. You can also have dairy at each meal. And without going into a ton of detail and examples, I would recommend using cheaper fruits and vegetables. This would come in the form of canned, frozen, or in-season produce. These are cheaper, and believe it or not, they have the same nutrients as fresh, fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, you can decrease your spending on grains by buying them from the bulk bins and using less of them. We do not need to survive on grains. Um, brown rice and oats are cheap whole grains that you can buy in bulk. Protein is often the most expensive food group for families, but it doesn't have to be. Rely on less expensive proteins such as rice and beans, eggs, tubs of Greek yogurt, lentils, tofu, canned fish, and peanut butter. And I know some picky eaters may not like to hear some of these ingredients, but there are fantastic recipes out there, including on my website, that use cheap proteins and they are delicious. Silken tofu chocolate mousse is actually one of my favorites. And finally, dairy can be bought in bulk sizes. Instead of buying like these individual yogurts um, or, or small milks or the individual cheese servings, buy, their, buy them in bigger portions or in bulk and you will save money. One thing. Um, My final tip tonight is to take. Yeah, yeah go one ahead. One thing I'll mention when, when you mentioned the, the canned fish, when I was interning, I was staying in a lot of hostels. I didn't, I was definitely on a budget and I didn't have a lot of space to cook. Uh, I love sardines and most people when they hear that they're like "Ooh, they're so gross but the trick to the sardines here's my <laughs> trick because I love them because you can get them on sale they are so cheap you don't have to cook with them if you mush them up really well like because most people just pull it out and they think okay I'm supposed to eat it like this you have to mash them and if you mash them really good and you have them with just some soda crackers, I think it's it's a great meal. I've never heard that before. That is yeah, a great mash tip. it up really well so that the 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 flavor and the oil is dispersed like evenly. My husband taught me how to eat sardines. He was like, "You don't like them because you're not eating them right." <laughs> All right, go on. There you go. And, and with the sardines, you're not just getting your protein, but you're also getting a great source mm -hmm. of healthy fat. So mm -hmm. I think that's wonderful. That's Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> they are cheap. So my final tip tonight is to take advantage of the grocery store deals. If you don't have one, get your store's loyalty card so you can stop paying the high prices immediately. It takes five minutes to sign up, and it will make your life a 100 times easier and more affordable. 
Then either download coupons to your card or phone using the store's app or website, or clip coupons that come in the mail. Finally, don't be afraid to buy sale items. Even if their expiration is coming up, they will likely still be safe to eat for some time, or you can freeze them until you're ready to eat them. And that's all I have for you. That tonight. was fantastic. Now, um, Colleen, I will post your your website and your details, but can you go ahead and give them for people that don't want to wait for me to get that up? Absolutely. So there's several ways to connect with me and learn more tips uh, to saving money on food. FOCO Food Assistance has a long domain name because it's free and volunteer-based, but here it goes. Here's the website. It's zestnutrition.wixsite.com slash FOCO Food Assistance, or you can just Google it. <laughs> you can also reach me and Nutrition Tips on zestnutritionservice.com. The two websites provide links to each other, so if you end up finding one, you can find the other. If you're on Facebook, you can go to facebook.com slash FocoFoodASST, so that's the shortened version of assistance, or facebook.com slash ZestNutritionService. And if you're on Instagram or Twitter, my handle is at ZestyRD, that's Z-E-S-T-Y-R-D. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I was on your website earlier and I did see a post about making kombucha, which I love to do. And I hope that you will come back and be on the show again. And maybe we can talk about some of our kombucha tips. It would be my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me today. Okay, folks, whether you are affected by the current government shutdown, experiencing food insecurity issues for other reasons, or if you just want to be able to eat healthier, cheaper, um, I hope that you learned something. Um, I hope that you like the episode. You're going to keep listening. If you found it useful or you have tips of your own to share, please hit me back up on social media. On Twitter and Instagram as Wendemere Riley or Facebook. You can find me at Greener Life with the Health Chick or go to thehealthchick.com and that's T-H-E-H-E-L-T-H-C-H-I-C.com for all of my links. This was kind of an impromptu episode. Uh, Colleen and I are in a Facebook group together and she was going to be one of my guests and then when we were talking about the food security insecurity issue and the government shut down, we thought, well, let's just go ahead and we'll do it really quickly tonight. Uh, Colleen, thank you again for being on. And to my listeners, thank you so much and make it a healthy night. Listeners, thank you so much and make it a healthy night.